It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And if you are looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 to get that awesome 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter. I think he's the best fantasy dude on the planet. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. At Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The best way always to know when exactly the show is posted, you follow Brian at RTF Podcast. And he posts all of the awesome shows that we have for you. Speaking of awesome, last couple days to take advantage of myfrontpagestory.com. Simply the best Mother's Day gift there's ever been, period. But at this point, you're going to have to probably get deadline delivery if they'll even do it for you. But at any rate, myfrontpagestory.com. All right, Nelson, Evan, we've got some more winners that we didn't get to last week, as well as we need to get to the losers in terms of veteran players based on the draft. Nelson, let's dive into a couple of Houston Texans running backs, Dante Foreman and Lamar the Teflon Don, according to Evan's Twitter handle, at Evan Silva Miller. Yeah, Lamar Miller kills me because I've always liked the kid uh, since his days with Miami. And, you know, he's just never – he's been solid, but he's never put that big year together. And I, I don't think he ever will. Um, I think he's kind of gotten a raw deal in Houston also because the offensive line hasn't been very good while he's been there. So I think he can catch the ball uh, also out of the backfield. But I just don't know what to make of him. I, I think he's kind of, you know, what what would he do with a big offense, you know, with a, a good offensive line? I'm going to leave that one to Evan. Dante Foreman is a guy that is – a talented player coming off a serious injury. So you kind of have to take a wait and see approach, see what he looks like. Uh, reports have been good, but we got to see what he looks like uh, come, you know, OTA's training camp and, and see if uh, he could emerge and give Miller a run for his money. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lamar Miller just, he somehow just survives every single off season Never really faces a challenge. That's why I call him like the Teflon running back because he, I don't know, he just, he never even gets challenged. And he, um, I mean, shoot, you, like if you were going to run a st- statistical projection for Lamar Miller right now, you're projecting him for like 275 touches again. And so, you know, he, he, he's not fun anymore. He was fun in Miami. But he hasn't been fun in, in many years, and uh, he, he runs behind a bad offensive line that they added. I mean, their additions were because Howie Roseman jumped them, 
at uh, in the first round. Their additions were like small school offensive linemen, uh, Titus Howard and Max Sharping. I, I, I just I don't know how, how those guys are going to perform. Are they going to even be positive, you know, contributors in year one? And then uh, Dante Foreman. I mean, she, we've talked about this for like a year now. You know, went back and looked at the history of running backs that have torn their Achilles and literally no one has ever come back and been productive at the running back position coming off a torn Achilles. Now, the sample size is small. I mean, it's like 10 to 15 guys over the last 10 years, which really tells me just NFL running backs, you know, you get to that level. Like, these guys don't tear their Achilles. They're special kind of athletes. But still... You know, no one has ever come back at this position coming off this injury. It's a very explosion-sapping injury, according to doctors. And um, I, I, I'm not a fan of this backfield in general. I, I know that it looks kind of good on paper right now for Lamar Miller from a statistical projection standpoint, but I'm kind of tired of drafting Lamar Miller. <laughs> what about uh, Derek Carr? Derek Carr, uh, you know, Ross, I, to me, there's offenses that I usually, for fantasy purposes, I just stay away from. Uh, this team has added a lot of offensive pieces with Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams. They drafted Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a contrarian approach uh, this year. Uh, with this offense, I'm going to totally fade it. I'm I'm not feeling it there with uh, Gruden. I think this team has a lot of potential to blow up in in a negative way, and I just don't know how that dynamic's going to work with Antonio Brown and Derek Carr. Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown can talk poorly about. Uh, Roethlisberger and 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 there's probably a lot of you know things that negative things you can say about Big Ben, but at the end of the day, the guy knows how to play quarterback in the NFL, and Derek Carr uh, hasn't really figured it out uh, just yet. He's not at Big Ben's level, so I I think this offense has got a lot of potential to kind of just blow up uh, and and not really find their way there with Gruden and, and the pieces that they added, um, you know, new receivers cut going to new, you know, a new offense in the off season. Uh, usually it takes a year to gel, um, with these guys. So I don't know. I I'm leaving it alone. I I'm just, I, I don't like it. Something. The one smells. thing I'll say about Derek Carr is that at least he's cheap. He's really cheap in drafts. Um, that, that doesn't mean that I, I necessarily want him though. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about how, you know, wide receivers changing teams in the off season, how they're, that just, it, it raises a red flag. It increases their bus potential. Um, and shoot, they are essentially putting together an entirely new receiver core. It's not just one guy. I mean, it's the entire receiver core is going to be new guys. It's Antonio Brown. It's Tyrell Williams. You know, I think the slot guy might be Ryan Grant or Hunter Renfro, who they drafted out of Clemson. Um, the tight end looks like it might be Darren Waller, 
who played wide receiver at Georgia Tech, and a new running back, Josh Jacobs, who wasn't even a starter on his college team. Um, I think, you know, we've talked and we've talked about him. I think he's a good talent, but um, we have not seen him handle a big workload, you know, since like high school. So it, it's it's a boom bust offense, I think, is is maybe the best way to describe it. Hey, it could go really well. It could all go. It could also go pretty poorly. Um, tough one to project there. At least Derek Carr's cheap, though. I mean, no one's no one's been overdrafting him or anything. How about Latavius Murray? Seemingly went in a pretty good spot down there in New Orleans. That whole Mark Ingram Saint situation was kind of weird, Nelson. But Lat Murray is uh, the next man up behind Alvin Kamara down there in New Orleans. Yeah, th- this might be a lazy approach on my part, but I I see this as a clear swap of Murray and Ingram. So I expect Murray to take on Ingram's workload uh, as kind of like early down guy. See a few uh, third down, a little bit of passing down work every once in a while, uh, and get some goal line touches on a really good offense. So, I, you know, what's not to like about Murray, I guess? Yeah, I'm huge on him. I'm huge on him. Um, I think that, see, like, it depends on, on whom with you draft, but he could be an awesome, an amazing value. If you could get him like in the seventh or eighth round now, like on, on draft.com, the, the ADP is super sharp there right now. I mean, he's a fifth round pick, so that's pretty early for Latavius Murray. I haven't been able to get him very much so far, but I, I think he was a massive winner. You know, they didn't add anybody in the draft. Latavius was the only, and it's just a one for one exchange with Mark Ingram. Latavius Murray, you look over the past three years, no one in the NFL um, has more carries inside the five yard line. You know, multiple coaching staffs in the NFL have identified Latavius Murray as a guy that they want to give the rock uh, in scoring position. And I think the Saints are going to do the same. Um, and they don't see Alvin Kamara as uh, a true feature back. Uh, so that's why they brought in Latavius Murray. I, I think he was a huge winner from the offseason. And then from fantasy, from a fantasy football standpoint, it's just going to be, you know, can we get him at a decent value so far? I mean, his cost has been pretty high. People are on to him. I can, uh, I can chime in on this, too, because I, I, I was on the sideline for Saints-Redskins last year, and that was week five. That's when Breeze broke the record. But also it was when uh, Mark Ingram came back from his four-game suspension and talking with some of the Saints coaches, they were really excited to have Ingram back because they know how good Kamara is. They love Kamara, but they're very cognizant of wearing him out, running him into the ground, using him too much, him getting hurt, and not being able to be the special dynamic player he is. So I would agree with what both you guys just said. They're, that is very much on their radar screen. They were so thankful that Ingram was back because they were so worried that you know Kamara was going to get hurt those first four weeks because they were going to use him too much. Um, so just a little bit of insight there. What about uh, Lamar Jackson? That came to you, Evan, uh, when you did the Twitter crowdsourcing from Zane Mitchell. Do you like Lamar Jackson 
after this draft a little bit more? Is he a winner for you, uh, Nelson? So, so I love the talent with Lamar Jackson, and I thought to myself that last year that it was probably going to take him a year or two in the NFL because he came out just a little bit raw, and we saw that uh, last year towards the end of the season and in the playoffs that he's raw in the passing game. And I'm leaving the door open because I I think quarterbacks like him can definitely take the next step from one year to the next. Uh, They brought in Mark Ingram there. They have a good offensive line. And then I, I love the receivers like Miles Boykin is like really underrated. Uh, when, when you, he stood out to me at the combine when I, I watched him, which made me go back and, and watch his film a little bit. And I didn't realize how athletic this kid was. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, ah, man, he went to the Ravens at, you know, out of all the landing spots he could have gone to, it, it kind of put a damper on things a little bit for me, but in terms of like Lamar Jackson in like real NFL football, not fantasy wise, the, this was huge. You know that Hollywood Brown and Boykin, uh, they came out of the the draft with those two guys to help the offense because let, let's face it, this offense is going to be all about Ingram pounding the ball, Jackson running with the ball, and now they're going to be able to keep defenses honest with the speed of Marquise Brown. And Boykin's got speed on the outside with some size. So I think overall, this uh, it helps the offense. It helps Jackson. It helps Ingram. I just – we ha- I got I to gotta see what Jackson looks like uh, if, and just see if he can take that next step a- as a passer. Yeah, they also added – well, the theme of their draft, I think, they just wanted to get a lot more athletic, a lot faster offensively, and they added Justice Hill. Um, you know, number one spark score among all running backs that were even just so much as eligible for the draft. And he ran four, four flat. This, this guy put Chris Carson on the bench as, as a true freshman at Oklahoma state. Justice Hill is out here starting over Chris Carson, who's like an above average NFL starting running back. So I, I mean, and I think that Justice Hill can kind of be that Camara to Mark Ingram, who is now in Baltimore, Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram. So, and, and they got faster, as you mentioned, with Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin outside. They added Ben Powers from Oklahoma to challenge Alex Lewis, who's kind of been the weak link slash guy who has struggled with injuries on the Ravens' offensive line. Yeah, no question to me, uh, Lamar Jackson has been an offseason winner. Also got the promotion for Greg Roman under whom Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick had their best seasons. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the uh, supporting Lamar Jackson camp from a fantasy football standpoint this year. The last group of winners uh, we kind of talked about on last week's episode a little bit when we were talking about Kenyon Drake, but this came to us from Sean Foss, Nelson, and that's Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills down in Miami. I don't know what to make of uh, Parker and Stills just yet. Uh, you know, as you guys know, I'm a big New England fan, and you know, I follow them closely, uh, like every team, but obviously a lot more closer with the Patriots. And with O'Shea going there, it's going to be interesting to see how they 
run their offense. I don't think there's enough um, – their offense is not as dynamic and probably not going to run as many uh, snaps for Parker and Stills to both be viable. I think it's going to be maybe one or the other. But I actually think that Albert Wilson might be the winner uh, this offseason in that offense and possibly Gasicki. So – I don't, you know, I don't know how I feel about Parker and Stills uh, as the winners. It might be, you know, another other two players in that offense that might be the winners. Yeah, I think that Albert Wilson is my favorite guy to pick right now. Um, and they're all going in the in the double digit rounds, so you're not having to pay a ton for any of them, and it's just going to come down to, you know, who's going to riff with the quarterback. You know, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hey, you know. Knock them all you want. The dude's super, super aggressive. I think he's going to open the season starting over Josh Rosen, and then they'll eventually kind of transition to Josh Rosen just because Fitzpatrick throws the ball to the other team a little bit too much. Um, but I think he, you know he's probably going to start out the season as the starter, and who, he's, who does he show chemistry with? I, I think he's going to love Albert Wilson. Um, so that's the guy that I'm kind of favoring right now, but – you know, again, they're all going super late. You can kind of pick your poison with them. I, I, I do prefer Albert Wilson. Let's get to some of the losers. So the winners took a, an episode and a half. It is interesting, isn't it, that people are much more likely to send you the losers, Espo? I mean, Evan, than uh, than the winners. I guess people are more excited about. They they want to be positive. I, I guess that's good. Some of the losers, uh, Amp Mullins submitted Todd Gurley Nelson as one of the losers. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, Todd Gurley was on my uh, fade list for this year. And with the Rams drafting Darrell Henderson, uh, that just reaffirmed um, my opinion that uh, there's a little bit of smoke there uh, with Gurley and some warning flags. Uh, When Los Angeles matched uh, Malcolm Brown's offer, uh, from Detroit and brought him back. They got John Kelly there. Uh, that kind of, I, I, I kept track of that and it was kind of interesting to see that whole thing play out. And then I, as I'm watching the draft, one of my questions that was in the back of my mind was, are the Rams going to take an early running back here? Um, they probably don't need it, you know, uh, with John Kelly and bringing back Malcolm Brown. So that was my opinion. But when they took Darrell Henderson uh, early in the draft, that you know that raised the red flag to me. So I think Gurley's just a full fade uh, this year. Ah, man, you, you, you hate to—I I hate to agree, but I think I have to. And you know they—they they traded up for Darrell Henderson, and they matched that offer sheet to Malcolm Brown. They didn't have to do that. That's—he's not. You know, they never invested anything in him. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, he was even there before McVeigh got there, you know. So th- there are a bunch of red flags here with Todd Gurley. Um, the reports are that he has arthritis in his knee. They've even come out and said publicly that they can't use him like they've used him for the past two to three years. It's going to be really interesting to see where his ADP ends up because I, I did a Twitter poll the other day. Uh, it just, you know, trying to get people to predict where his 
is his average draft position going to end up? And the vast majority of people said, hey, he's still a first rounder. So I think this is a little edge that we can get. You know, let other people take him in the first round. We'll take safer picks and um, just let other people deal with that hassle. I will say this too, Evan. Uh, if you remember last year, I told you the red flag on Doug Baldwin as soon as they, as soon as that came out. The Todd Gurley stuff, you know, when they're swelling, I mean, that's, there's a reason why there was swelling in his knee. Uh, it, he's going to have to be managed probably for the rest of his career, unfortunately. Um, what about Darius Geis? Uh, Scott Rich submitted this one. Is that just because of uh, Bryce Love in the fourth round, you think, Nelson? Yeah, I, I have to agree with this with this suggestion also because when you look at the offense in general, it's not an exciting offense. Uh, he's coming off an injury. They re-signed Peterson, I believe. They brought him back. Um, if you remember, you know, from a, a couple of years ago, Adrian Peterson when he went to New Orleans and was kind of, you know, rotating with Ingram and Kamara, uh, that didn't go too well for a guy like Adrian Peterson. And everyone, I think, remembers, sees the highlights of Peterson looking like he was ready to kill Sean Payton. And what's going to happen here in Washington? Do people actually think that Peterson came back to get like five touches a game and be Geis's backup? I don't think so. I, so when you look at that dynamic, you got Chris Thompson as the third down back. So Geis is going to get passing down work? I, I don't think so. And then Bryce Love, from a dynasty perspective, because Love, I think, is going to – this is going to be a redshirt year for him. I loved him at Stanford. I think he's a dynamic running back. But coming off the injury, I think it's going to take him a year. But for dynasty players, you know, next year – Love, you know, Thompson's going to be a free agent. Peterson probably, you know, this could could potentially be his last year. So then people would say, hey, all right, Geis is going to get the role. But then you got Love coming back, you know, from injury. I I don't like it. I He's another guy. Just stay away. Just leave it alone. Yeah, even Let's, before the draft, I could not believe how early people have been taking Darius Geis in, in fantasy drafts. I mean, whoo, like multiple rounds ahead of where I'd even start thinking about him. Um, you've got Adrian Peterson. You've got Darius Geis. You've got Chris Thompson. Now you got Bryce Love. You know, you got even Samaje Pirine down the list. I mean, this is not a backfield that I want to invest in. I, the only guy that I've even considered drafting has been Chris Thompson in literally the last round as my RB5, RB6. But, yeah, just stay away backfield until uh, further notice. What about Eric Ebron, Nelson? Chris Grombach gave us that one. See, this is getting boring for me because I like to be contrarian and – and, and be able to try to play devil's advocate here. And, and I can't. E Ebron is another good one. You know, last year, Ebron was a value in drafts. And I loved Ebron last year in that offense. This year, you, you have, you add Devin Funches. You add my favorite wide receiver in the whole draft, Paris Campbell. You've got Jack Doyle coming back. Uh, 
you know, Ebron is one of those guys that's going to go drafted a little too high for what I think he's going to end up doing because a lot of his fantasy value last year, I had a ton of Eric Ebron, and a lot of his fantasy value was on uh, touchdowns. He scored a lot of touchdowns, and he had Jack Doyle who missed a good part of the season. So that helped Ebron. This year, you know, you can't count on those same touchdowns. So I I think there's going to be some regression there. Let's get to – do you have anything on Ebron, Evan? Just full agreement. If you go back and adjust for games where Jack Doyle played, last year Eric Ebron's playing time and targets sank. I mean, hit rock bottom. So – and he's another guy that, I mean, goodness – I can't believe people take this guy in like the seventh, eighth round. I would not even consider him until like the 14th or 15th round. Uh, Eric Ebron because there's a good chance that the guy's going to be playing like 12 snaps a game because that's what he did last year when uh, when Jack Doyle was, was healthy. Let's get to Rex Burkhead. This is up your up your alley there, Nelson. As a Patriots fan, Dill Esquire or Dill Esk, I don't know. D i l l e s q is the one that said Burkhead. Yeah, he's another guy that. Uh, you always, I'm, I'm always excited to see what Belichick does uh, each year because he, he always seems like he's a step ahead of the NFL in terms of trends and how to um, how to change change up schemes and things like that. And this year, the Patriots have had quite a bit of turnover uh, in their offense with Gronkowski retiring. That's a huge one, and I was kind of. I'm kind of interested to see what they decide to do and what the offense is going to look like. And when the Patriots go and draft Damian Harris in the third round, when you look at their backfield and you've got Sony Michelle coming off a really strong uh, playoff run and you've got James White there and you've got Rex Burkhead and you bring in Brandon Bolden back from Miami, you would, one would think, you don't need, you know, running backs, not a priority here. And okay. If they took one, maybe in the sixth round, you know, there's nothing to see here, whatever it's the sixth round. But when you take a guy in the third round at running back in a position that you would think that you don't need, you know, something's up here, you know, and I haven't, you know, put exactly figured it out just yet, but I do know this much, like if, Damian Harris is going to probably play over Burkhead if there's a Sony injury. Yeah, this Damian Harris pick just really pissed me off at the end of day three or at the end of day two. I'm like, oh, man, Burkhead, he's done. You know, and Burkhead, I've been a Burkhead truther for for a long time. But, uh, uh, man, it's not good for Burkhead. I'm worried, you know, I guess they could keep five. I mean, they're definitely going to keep Bolden. Because they just paid him. They gave him guaranteed money. Obviously, Michelle isn't going anywhere. James White isn't going anywhere. Damon Harrison going anywhere as a third round pick. You know, so they need to keep five for Burkhead to, to, to stick. And I, I'm worried, man. I'm worried. It, you know, the injuries can happen, et cetera. But 
I mean, and he's been good on special teams. I don't know. I, I want him to stick, so I'm, I'm super biased here. I probably shouldn't even comment. Well, he was really good for them at the end of the year. I, I think they are going to keep five, or else they would trade one of them. They basically have, like, no tight ends right now. I mean, I, I just – I think I think you might see more two running back sets. I think you might see them use these guys more often in the slot with what their current wide receivers are right now as well. Be interesting. How about Marquis Goodwin? This is also from Dill-esque. Marquis Goodwin out in San Francisco with them taking Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. Nelson. Lo- love Debo Samuel. So I was – really interested to see where Campbell and uh, Samuel were going to go. And um, I think it's a great landing spot for him. I think Dante Pettis, you know, in his second year, uh, you know, is another guy that's going to command targets. So Marquise Goodwin, I think is, you know, I think he's a great guy Um, just following him, you know, throughout his career and, and following some of the off the field stuff that he's had to uh, deal with, you know, my, my heart breaks for the guy. Um, think he's a great guy, but as far as when we're talking just purely fantasy wise, I think he's going to be kind of stretch the field kind of guy uh, in that offense, but he's not going to command a great amount of targets uh, there now. You, you got George Kittle also, so uh, I would probably tend to agree that he, you know, he was probably a loser in the off season. Yeah, uh, 49ers receiver core plus tight end core, um, gonna and running back core shoot is gonna be something that we're gonna be working on all off season to try to figure out. I don't, I don't have any great insight here. Uh, we can move on to the next one. How about Jalen Samuels after the Steelers drafted Benny Snell? I mean, how how high was Jalen Samuels on people's fantasy radar to start, Nelson? Uh, you know, that offense has always been a one-back type of offense. You know, anytime Le'Veon Bell missed time, it was D'Angelo Williams coming in. Uh, you know, James Conner basically got the whole workload last year uh, until he went down, and then that's when Samuels came in. So, I don't, you know, Snell – you know them drafting Snell. I'm not really high on Snell. I don't think Snell's really that good. Um, you know, ran a four six six at the, you know, a combine. I don't think there's anything to see here. I, I think Samuels is, you know, is fine. I, I think he keeps his spot. Yeah. Um, do they see Samuels as more of like a, a sort of a tight end? I mean, or like an H back or. You know, I thought that was an interesting pick. I mean, that's pretty relatively high to take a running back fourth round. And Benny Snell is just like, he's a grinder. You know, he didn't catch a lot of passes in college. Um, he's like, I think he's he might be the direct backup to James Conner. I think it did hurt Jalen Samuels, but it's also a situation that, again, you know, we're going to have to kind of monitor through training camp in the preseason games, who's lining up where Jalen Samuels came out of college. He was a pass catcher. You know, he was, I mean, I think he had more catches than carries or something at NC state. You know, I, I remember there was some statistic like that. So uh, I don't know. I, it's, I'm going to have to keep continue to monitor the situation, but it's going to be a very interesting one to monitor because we know how valuable a running back in that offense is. I mean, they're bringing back what four or, or five of their five starters from last year. If you're not counting um, Gilbert, because they're bringing back Filer. Cause I think he had more 
starts last year than Marcus Gilbert. But yeah, definitely a situation to monitor closely behind James Conner. I think that James Conner is a first round fantasy pick. And then, um, you know, the other guys are like late round fantasy picks, but late round fantasy picks with upside. How about uh, Nelson? How about Giovanni Bernard in Cincinnati? Yeah, it's probably uh, game over for him. Uh, I think with uh, Cincinnati drafting uh, Travion Williams, uh, who kind of fits the same mold of Geo, and then uh, them grabbing Rodney Anderson, who, uh, you know, injury injuries aside, I think Rodney Anderson was one of the most talented running backs coming out of this draft, if not the most talented. So I see him if healthy as the clear backup to Mixon. Um, and then for like dynasty wise, you know, Travion Williams is kind of going to be the guy that takes over for geo. And then when geo becomes, you know, uh, I just see it as a situation that, you know, Geo's probably not long for Cincinnati. Yeah. They also drafted Rodney Anderson, uh, in the sixth round, super talented guy, but he was hurt a lot, but still, I mean, th- them investing two running backs, you know, and they kind of gave us a tell on this last off season when they drafted Mark Walton. And he, of course, did not work out. I mean, he already, he's already out of the league. But now they draft two more running backs. Um, it's almost like they're trying to push Geo out the door. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, that that's a guy that maybe the Buccaneers could try to acquire via trade for cheap. How about Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor? With the Titans at Proofread Meat, that's an interesting Twitter handle. Proofread Meat. What do you What do you got on uh, the Titans receivers? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, you know, I'm a Corey Davis guy, but I'm I'm disappointed um, in that situation there because it, it's probably going to be a low. There's going to be low pass down volume uh, to go around. It's going to be a run game. Uh, type of offense and then when you go and add Adam Humphreys and you sign him to a decent sized contract and then you draft AJ Brown uh, you know there's probably it's probably a situation to just leave all those receivers alone and and probably concentrate on the uh, on the backfield yeah let me throw this back to you I mean is Derrick Henry a winner you know you look at the Titans backfield they, they're bringing back Deion Lewis. They didn't add anybody, though. I mean, it's Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, David Flewellen, Daylon Dawkins, and Jerry McNichols. That's literally their uh, depth chart at running back. What do you think about Derrick Henry right now, Nelson? Yeah, I think he's he's the winner uh, of this offseason. And and I agree that, you know, Davis and, and those guys are, are definitely going to – they're just going to eat into each other. You know, I don't think – you're going to see a, a consistent guy emerge out of that offense, especially you got Delaney Walker coming back. Um, so I would say that it's it's more about, you know, Henry for sure. What about in Baltimore? We kind of talked about this with Lamar Jackson as a winner, but Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon, not not a great offseason for those two. No, not not at all. Um I mean, Mark Ingram, they signed him. The contract says he's going to be the guy, and uh, it makes sense. They 
drafted Justice Hill, although Hill I think of as if Ingram went down, I don't necessarily think Hill would be the uh, guy that they'd be looking for to grind in between the tackles. I think they brought him in to kind of give that backfield a different dynamic uh, and, and just get a little bit you know faster back there. So possibly Edwards or Dixon could emerge f- with an Ingram injury, but um, yeah, not those guys are just you know clear backups. Yeah, um, I mean it's a f- it looks like four guys kind of candidates for touches. I actually think that Mark Ingram has gotten to the point where he's a little bit overrated. Uh, I think that people just see oh the run heavy offense oh that's great for Mark Ingram. They're going to use two or three backs. Um, and he's not going to catch passes. I mean, we, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, uh, uh, running backs that play in the same backfield as quarterbacks that run their catch potential goes way, way down because the quarterback is likelier to run the ball himself than to shut down to the RB. Um, and you know, Mark Ingram's going to have a really low catch total and I think he's going to have fewer carries than people anticipate. And Gus Edwards is a huge loser, and Kenneth Dixon is a huge loser. I mean, not not in real life, but in fantasy. Um, and that you know, and adding Justice Hill, I mean, that just further cements them as losers uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Finally, uh, we've got Ryan Reynolds submitted Patrick Mahomes, and I'm assuming that has a lot to do with the Tyreek Hill situation and LaShawn McCoy. Now that the bills seemingly have a million running backs, they got a younger LaShawn McCoy supposedly in Singletary TJ Yeldon's there. What do you agree on Mahomes and McCoy? Yeah. Don't forget Frank Gore uh, also signed over there. So I mean, forget McCoy. I mean, there's nothing to see there. Um, He's a guy that shouldn't really be a target. Um, for anyone in, in fantasy. And then as far as Mahomes, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting cause he's coming off that monster season, uh, last year and he's moved way up in drafts, but you know, he's lost some weapons, uh, there. So they drafted the, you know, Hardman kid who's, you know, basically, uh, I guess a spitting image of Tyreek, but, uh, I look at him as he was kind of raw, uh, you know, at Georgia. So I I don't, I don't know. I I think this offense takes a step back um, possibly. And I could see where, you you know, they have Sammy Watkins who, you know, is a legit talent. So, you know, Mahomes is not going to put up, you know, the year that he had last year. So there's going to be regression there. I don't know if I'm ready to call him, you know, a loser in the off season, but he, he definitely, it put a dent, uh, in his potential this year. Yeah. Tyree kill huge difference maker. Um, so if they lose him, that that's going to be, it, it's going to be a big deal. Um, I think he's going to experience some natural regression. The problem with Patrick Mahomes is his draft position because this guy's going second and third round. And, uh, that's awfully high for a running for a quarterback. We and we we've gotten ourselves into trouble, you know, doing this kind of stuff historically with Deshaun Watson. Sean Watson last year was, you know, drafted as a second or third round pick, 
And I mean, he was good, but he didn't really help you win fantasy games. You know, he didn't help you win fantasy weeks over your opponent. So, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a, a conundrum throughout the offseason. I, I, I would consider him a loser, and, and so would, and I would too, about LaShawn McCoy. He's just not a guy that right now I, I want to draft. You know who's not a loser? Nelson Sousa. Is it Sousa or Sousa? It can be both. Got it. I like it. Versatile. See, that's the kind of person that's the number one high-stakes fantasy football player in the galaxy. Make sure that you check him out on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Nelson, thank you for the Dunkin' Donuts insight as well as the fantasy football insight the last two weeks. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excellent, Evan. Love that we have both the winners and the losers over the last couple weeks. Looking forward to next week's guest already. Highly encourage everybody to check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money Podcast as well. Much to discuss in that regard. Lots going on this week as always. And we'll be back next week. Other than that, you guys know the deal. We love when you spread the word by retweeting us when we post the show. It's much appreciated. I'm stuffed. We're done. Oh, wait. I can't say we're done yet. I got to tell you about betonline.ag and the promo code podcast one. 50% welcome bonus. Five zero. Pretty sweet. All you have to do is make some type of deposit and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Half your money they will add to your account, whether it's NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you want to get into the rest of the Triple Crown races, totally up to you. BetOnline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. Now I can say I'm stuffed and we're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.